look at our passage of Scripture this morning. We're going to be taking a look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. Man, such a good word. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. But let me just say this over you one more time. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be, and you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you, had, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with us as we look at your word today. Lord, I pray that you would feed us. Lord, I pray that you would give us an alive encounter with you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would refresh us in the very spot that we are. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of truth that we've known for a long time. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of some things that we have forgotten. And Lord, I pray that you would show us something new that we've never seen or heard before, but your spirit brings front and center today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Our series of messages these days are the promises of God because we believe that the promises of God are the remedy for a broken spirit. We are dealing with a day that is a heavy, heavy day. In fact, I just kind of have a news feed that runs through on my phone, and I looked at that first thing this morning, and it said in addition to the pandemic this year, that there has been an increase in all kinds of depression and social anxiety. That's not really a headline. We could kind of see that and feel that. And we are feeling that pressure day in and day out. And so one of the things that we are trying to do is that we are trying to make this an island of an encouragement for you and for your neighbors and for your friends. And while we live in a world that sometimes is full of a broken spirit, we want to say, come and hear the promises of God, the truth of God that will encourage us, refresh us, build us up, renew us in every way possible possible. And so this morning we take a look at the promise of eternity and we're going to unpack that in just a few moments. But notice how well this passage of scripture fits into this sermon series. It says right there at the top, let not your hearts be troubled. Now the truth is someone only says that to you in a season where it's highly likely that your hearts are troubled. Uh, no one comes to you on the greatest day. No one comes to you on a great experience. No one comes to you on your wedding day and says, uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. I mean, that's kind of a discouraging moment if someone comes to you on your wedding day or on your graduation day or on your 18th birthday or whatever event that is and say, don't let your heart be troubled. No, we, we say that to one another. Don't be discouraged. It's going to be okay. We, we say that in moments when... It, it, it's kind of a tough spot. We, we, we say that to each other in those kinds of moments. And what the word that we have here is that we have a promise that comes from God. And that promise is that you can move from a troubled heart to fearless confidence. 
The word that I want you to hear this morning is that you can move from a troubled heart to fearless confidence. In fact, I want you to feel that and I want you to know that so well. I want us to move that into the first person and I want us to, to say this together from the screen. I can move from a troubled heart to fearless confidence. So let's try that again. Because it didn't sound really confident. So let's, let's try that again. I can move from a troubled heart to fearless confidence. The secret that God is going to reveal to us in this passage of Scripture is that we move from a troubled heart to fearless confidence through the power of God's eternity poured into our lives. Now we're going to think about that eternity in just a few moments. But first I want us to kind of step back into the circumstance that Jesus is speaking this word to the disciples. I want us to kind of step back into that and say, now why is Jesus having to say to them, don't let your hearts be troubled? Well, there is a reminder here that Jesus is speaking this to the disciples in the upper room hours before he is arrested and tried and crucified. Now for the disciples, in one sense, that came as a huge surprise because they didn't see that coming. But on the other hand, it wasn't a surprise because they could feel that tension building. In fact, it's not too many days before this when Jesus has announces that he's going closer to Jerusalem that one of the disciples says to the rest of them, I guess we should go, that way we all die together. They could feel that tension growing and developing. Hey, there was a sense that I think that you could almost cut that tension with a knife that was present in that city, in that season, and certainly in that upper room. You could just kind of feel it. I kind of think of those times recently when we could feel that tension. We could feel that tension when... When we walk through Walmart or Target when the lockdown first began and we're looking for cleaning supplies, we're looking for toilet paper, everyone just kind of keeps their eyes straight ahead, no real contact. We're getting used to the idea of everybody wearing a face mask. You could feel the tension. We've kind of gotten used to some of those things, but at the beginning you could feel those tensions. Do you remember a couple of years ago when somehow, some way, the emergency alert system, you remember the one that everyone got last Sunday morning about the hurricane? Do you remember a couple of years ago when somebody in Hawaii sent that message out that said incoming nuclear weapons? We had a member of our church when I was in Eunice that was on vacation in Hawaii. They got that message, called me in just absolute tension and fear and anxiety. They just got this message, nuclear weapons inbound. Boy, those kinds of moments. I don't know whether it's someplace in between uh, Target back in March looking for toilet paper or incoming nuclear weapons, but this is a tense spot for the disciples. And Jesus says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Hey, in fact, Jesus has to say this because in the middle of what's going on here, this overall tension, Jesus has also said to him, I am leaving and where I'm going you cannot come. Now they've left everything behind and attached their life to Jesus and now he says, I'm leaving. In the same conversation he says, one of you are going to betray me. 
Not only does that mean that their circle, that there's somebody inside of that circle that is untrustworthy, not only does that mean that somebody inside of their circle is going to do harm to Jesus, but it tells us in Matthew that the question that the disciples asked each other and asked Jesus was, is it me? Is it me? They were so broken in their confidence and so consumed with fear that when Jesus says, one of you is going to let me down and betray me, that almost every one of them said, is it me? And then in the words immediately preceding John chapter 14, Jesus says to Peter, who he has called the rock, and says, before this night is over, you're going to deny me three different times. And Jesus says to him, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, I think there's a natural reaction. that says, don't let my hearts be troubled. You just said that, that you're leaving. Can you hear the, the tension of the people who are out to get us outside? You said somebody in the room is going to betray us. Peter is going to deny you. And you say, don't let your hearts be troubled. Well, here's one of the things that we have to know. When Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled, what he's not saying is, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Because the reality is that everything that Jesus said happens. And in fact, from all of this bad news, it, go, it gets worse when Jesus is arrested and tried. And from there, it becomes terrible when Jesus is nailed to the cross and he dies. He's taken off that cross and he's buried. And what happens next is the resurrection, which is the greatest moment ever. But even on the other side of that resurrection... Life continues to be hard. And in fact, these people that Jesus is speaking to had almost zero easy days the rest of their life. But he says to them, don't let your heart be troubled. Not because life is easy. Not because there's not going to be any difficulty. He says, but don't let your hearts be troubled. But because you have your eyes on eternity. Now, how does eternity make that kind of difference? Well, I'm glad you asked. You, you did ask, right? Good. All right. Thank you. Uh, how, how, how does eternity make that kind of a difference? The first thing is that eternity is an encouraging promise. Eternity is an encouraging promise. Do you remember back when you were, I, I think, some of our teachers might be able to help us with this, but I think peak age on this is like second grade. Maybe it's third grade, where somebody says, one kid says to the other kid, you're such and such, and it's not a nice thing that they say, and, and I, it, doesn't, it could be a world of different things, but the reply from kid B to kid A is, well, yeah, double back to you the same thing. Now we've got a standoff here because he said this to you and then this person will double to you. Well, quadruple to you. And then it goes back, well, times 100 to you. And then the, the one student says, well, you know what, I've got this. Well, times a kajillion, which is only a number used in second grade arguments, times a kajillion, but the only thing that that student has left out is he's left out infinity. Because that's the ultimate answer. Well, affinity times to you. And you can't beat infinity, can you? Uh, affinity is the, we, we, we know what we're talking about here. Uh, infinity is the top 
answer. And what we need to know this morning is that we have a God of infinity. We have a God of the beyond. We have a God who is not limited to this space. God is not limited to this moment. God is not limited to this time. He is a God who is beyond. And because of that, because of that, we can be encouraged. You see, because we have a God of eternity, he defeats what is probably one of the greatest lies that is told in our world, and that is the lie of right now. In fact, if you were to take a look at some of the decisions that you've made in your life, they were probably some of the worst decisions that you've made of your life. It is because you believe the lie of right now. This is what I need to do right now. This is what I have to do right now. I'm only thinking about right now. Man, that's a lie. You know, you ever watch one of those infomercials on TV? It's one of the ones that's selling you a product. How much would you pay for this? Don't answer yet, but wait, there's more. That kind of thing. And we're going to throw in three Ginsu knives and, and all that kind of thing. At the end of that commercial, they always tell you that if you call in the next 15 minutes, they'll also throw in, I don't know, a Snuggie or something. We talked about Snuggies a couple weeks ago. They'll also throw in something extra. But you have to call in the next 15 minutes. And they show the clock. The clock is starting to count down. You're already down to 14 and a half minutes left. You've got to hurry on this thing. Do you really think that there's someone who came into work just because that commercial just went on? And they're waiting for that 15 minutes to count down. Do you think that they know every time that that commercial plays, that every different city that that commercial is playing? What if you're watching that on a DVR? What, what do you do then? And what if you call after 16 minutes? Is the deal really gone? Are they not going to take your phone call in that kind of moment? The whole reason why they say that is because they want to put pressure on you that says right now is the moment that matters. You have to do this right now. But I will tell you that one of the things that God wants us to hear through his word is that there is more to this life than right now. There's more to this life than the pressure of this single moment. He wants us to broaden that out and see that there's more than this moment. It kind of reminds me of when we used to play musical chairs. It's probably been a while since the last time you played uh, musical uh, chairs. Uh, but in that thing, you, you go round and round until the music stops and there's not a chair for one person. It's kind of a mean game. You ever think about that? That's a really mean game. You know what? There's no room for you. And, hey, but there's pressure as you begin to play that game because you want to make sure that when that music stops, that you're going to have a seat, that you're going to have what it takes you know, in our lives, we continue to kind of run round and round and round. And we hope that when the music stops or when the snapshot is taken, we want to make sure that our lives are just right and just perfect. At any moment, if someone were to stop and to look, if someone were to measure my life, if I were to measure my own life, at this moment, everything would be just right. That's an immense amount of pressure to live under, isn't it? That at any moment to try to say, this is the moment, I've got it all together. Well, we have a hard time even saying, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rebuilding that part of my life. I don't have that put together. We don't want anyone to know that. 
There's a pressure that says right now everything has to be put together. And what Jesus tells us by being the God of eternity, of a God that moves us beyond just this right now, he says this life matters, but this life isn't the whole story. This life matters, but this life isn't the whole story. And that's a strong encouragement for us, isn't it? Because this life isn't always easy. This life isn't always fair. This life isn't always balanced. And if we were just limited to what happened in this lifetime, Life could be incredibly discouraging and draining for us. But Jesus tells us that there's more to this life than the right now. It's an encouraging promise. I would also tell you that eternity is a personal promise. I love this part of the passage because what he's offering to us is not just eternity. He's not just offering us that we would live for a really long time. I know that we all want to be healthy and we want to have long, productive lives, but just living for a long time, sometimes I don't necessarily know that, that I want that. Things that just never end, that's not always a blessing. Things that never end, sometimes that, that's the definition of boring. I hate to bring that up on a Sunday morning, uh, but, but, but things that just never, ever stop. Now those can be draining experiences. So what Jesus is offering us here, what Jesus is promising us to, to us is not that we're going to live a long time. He's not just promising us eternity, but he is promising us a relationship with the God of eternity. Listen to how he says it. In my Father's house. That's a personal statement. That's not somewhere, someplace, over the rainbow. No, he says, in my Father's house. He says, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. There are many lodging places. There are many places where people can fit and have room and belong. He says, there are many rooms. And he says, I, Jesus, I go to prepare a place. Jesus, hands on, he goes to prepare that place. And you know who he goes to prepare that place for? For you. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, for you, for you, for you. Listen to this. This is the God of the universe. This is the God of eternity. He says, I go and prepare a place for you. And he says, and I will come again. And I will take you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. That is an amazing, incredible truth that he pours out into our lives. Sometimes we struggle with our theology of heaven. Sometimes we struggle with our theology of eternity because there's a part of our theology of eternity or our theology of heaven that is really just taking our best vacation and multiplying it times a kajillion. And just multiplying it times infinity, if you would. I love to go to the beach. I love to go to the mountains. I love to fish. I love to read. I love to take a nap. I love to play a harp. Whatever it may be, we define our definition of eternity and say, my best vacation ever times everything. Now that's what must be like. We don't really have time this morning to really build that out. 
But I want to just tell you that when we think about eternity, when we think about heaven, it needs to begin and end with this passage. The whole point of eternity is relationship with Jesus. He says, in my Father's house, many rooms, I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again, take you to myself, so that where I am, you may also be. That's the headline. That's the point. That's the story. That's our theology of what is next. Is that it is a personal opportunity to know the God of the universe for all of eternity. I would also tell you that eternity is not just an encouraging promise. It's not just a personal promise, but I would tell you that it's an accessible promise. Jesus says to the disciples, all right, you got it? You got it? You got it? He says, you know the way to where I'm going, right? Now, Sometimes when someone asks us that kind of a question, we just kind of nod, right? Anyone ever ask you if you know something and you don't really know it? Most of the time, whether it be a student, whether it be a friend, you know, well, you, you know that, don't you? We all just kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Some of you are doing it right now. Uh-huh, uh-huh, all right, uh, that's good. And, and you're like, you know what? I'll watch a YouTube video later and I'll try to catch up on what they're, what they're talking about. And so I think that there were a bunch of the disciples that when Jesus says, you know, and you know the way to where I'm going. That it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I know where you're going. But it's Thomas, and I like Thomas. Thomas, the truth speaker, says, hold up, Jesus. I don't know where you're going. I don't know where this house is. I don't know where these rooms are. I have no idea where you're going. So if I don't even understand where you're going, how on earth am I supposed to find the way there? And Jesus answers very simply. He says, Thomas, I'm the way. It's me. It's me. I am the way. In fact, Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And then he says, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now we hear that word and we understand that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thomas, if you need to know how to get to the Father, it is me. And Thomas needed to hear that. The disciples needed to hear that. You all need to hear that. But we also need to hear all of that sentence. A sentence that I think is harder and harder for us to process because our culture just kind of shifts in a different direction. But a statement that Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I think the truth is if most of us got to vote on it, most of us say, you know what would be fairer is like maybe if there were five different ways to get to the Father. Or if everybody really tried really hard, everyone ought to just be able to find their own path. That, that, that seems fairer to us. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I, I remember, it seemed like it was middle school when math got harder. Maybe for you that was elementary school, maybe for you it was college, but for me, 
math got harder in middle school. You know, there just seemed to be more steps. You have to do this, and then you have to do this, and then you take this step, and you move the parentheses, and you put the stuff outside of the parentheses, and all this stuff. And like, listen, I didn't understand that stuff in the English class, let alone bringing the parentheses into, into a math class. I, I don't understand all of that. And there was something about my personality I kept trying to tell the teacher. I think that there's an easier way to do this. You know, I, I don't think that we have to take all of these steps. You know, if you'll just do it this way, I, I think it works this way. And the teacher, to begin with, patiently, and then not so patiently, had to begin to explain to me, no, you don't get to make up your own math. You don't get to do that. There, there, there's only one way to get to this answer, and that is the laws of math. Jesus tells us the same thing. Now, you might have another idea. You might like another way. You might think that this looks really neat as this, this comes together. You think you've tried really hard, or you think this might be easier, and you think that there ought to be lots of different ways. But when the question comes down, on how we get to the Father, how we find security in eternity, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, anyone that knows me, anyone that knows me has salvation and eternity in security. But he also says there's no other way. I am the only pathway to security in eternity. I am the only way to get there. He is the only person who has come from outside of this known universe. And he brings that answer and says, this is the way. So what's our application this morning? Last week we talked about one of the things in the 23rd Psalm that God promises is that he says he'll take care of what's next. Remember we talked about most of us have got right now kind of handled. Now we may feel like we're barely holding it together, but we've got right now handled. But we're worried about what comes next. And we said that part of the promises of the 23rd Psalm is that Jesus says, I've got what's next. Well, this is the ultimate statement that says what's next is safe and secure. This is the ultimate statement uh, of that security. It's the ultimate statement that says that what is next is safe because you have to understand that every person who has ever lived will eventually enter into eternity. Every person who has ever drawn a breath, every person who is in this room, every person who will ever live ever will eventually enter into eternity. The promise that Jesus gives he says, for those, of the, for those who are in him, who have placed their faith in him, who have believed in him, just like this passage says, he says, there's a space for you. And when I come back, I'm coming to receive you so that you can be with me. But there's also the statement that says, but there's no other way to find that security. Don't be a spiritual version of me as a middle school math student. How about this way? How about, why don't we try this way? This looks easier. I like this way better. Jesus is one way, and it's him. And the thing about it is, is he says, I, I'll handle it. 
He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. He, he says, well, what separates you from me is sin. He says, I'll take care of that sin. You're not able to do this, so I will step in and I will create it for you and I will do it for you. I will make it happen. And all we have to do is to receive him. All we have to do is accept what he wants to do inside of our lives. It's as simple as a word of prayer. See, the thing is, I, I want you to know that this isn't a church experience. This isn't a pastor experience. This is a conversation between you and your heavenly father. And it's as simple of a prayer as something like this. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I understand this differently than I've ever understood it before. I understand that I have this need. I understand that you have provided the way. I understand that there's no other way other than through your forgiveness of my sins. And I want to be safe in eternity. And I want to be secure in eternity. And I want to have the whole story of my life right and correct. So Lord, I ask you to be my way, my truth, and my life. I pray this in your name. Amen. I want you to know that if that's the conversation that you have with him, he hears you. He hears you instantly. He hears you right away. And if that is the sincerity of your heart, hear this. He's never said no. He's never said no. There's not a single person who's ever come to him and said, will you be my way, my truth, and my life? That God said, eh, I don't think so. Every single person who's ever called upon his name, he has said yes to. And if you're the next person who calls upon his name, he will say yes to you. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together. Lord, you know the place and the hearts of every single person in this room. Lord, I pray that there would not be a single person who's already secure in you that would have doubt in that security. Lord, anyone that has already responded to you as the way, the truth, and the life, Lord, I pray that this message this passage of scripture would anchor them deeper in that faith. But Lord, I also pray that there would not be any person who's just been going through the motions and just trying to look like a person of faith rather than be a person of faith. Lord, that they would walk past this moment to call on your name for you to be the way, the truth, and the life in their name. We pray this in your name. Amen.